Welcome to And What Else, the podcast with me, Wendy O'Byrne, also known as The Completion Coach. And I want to let you know that this is attempt two, because I just recorded a good half hour podcast that I was really passionately involved in and forgot to press record. So happy Tuesday. (laughs) Today I'm going to do a solo episode and it's going to be based around masculine energy. I don't really base myself or create a lot of content around the masculine and the feminine. And I know a lot of accounts are really dedicated to this. And perhaps my take is slightly different. So let it sit with you and see what you can take from this. But having just done the retreat a couple of weeks ago now, where we focused on the art of receiving, and the art of receiving is almost tapping into the feminine and seeing just what she wants, what she desires, creativity, all of the different ways that it can show up and also receiving help, opening the heart, feeling the feelings. And obviously the main part of my work one-to-one that you will have gathered by now because I talk about it so frequently is working with people who can identify with experiencing hyper-independent survival skills. And so when I come to talk to you about that today. What I'm going to talk about is being led by wounded masculine energy and just understanding that this hasn't been a life choice in the way that you have gone, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. This will be really great. This has been through part of your story. Whatever you picked up as part of your story along the way, whatever has impacted you, usually in childhood but certainly in your developmental years. And these things have then built up to create your way of surviving and in your mind thriving because a lot of these traits have been celebrated. A lot of these traits create high functioning, overachieving, perfectionism, go, 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 driven, all of the things that, you know, in the society that we live in quite often are celebrated things. In reality, at that retreat, I asked these women to connect with their own masculine energy. And what's really interesting is there was so much resistance, so much resistance to doing that because, you know, some of the words that came out were hatred, just disconnect, not wanting to feel it, not wanting to go there, not trusting. And this also showed up and mirrored with some of the men that had been in their lives at different times and some of the masculine energy some women had had in their lives where they rejected it. They rejected these elements in other people and they were rejecting this part of themselves, but it was still leading them, which is causing a lot of internal conflict and means the feminine has no chance to connect, to come in, to have her part in the story. I'm going to focus today on the masculine rather than touching on the feminine, which I think gets a lot more airtime. But I really want to talk about the wounded masculine because as you know, I work with people experiencing hyper-independence. And so this is primarily the energy that they're in, knowingly or unknowingly. And signs of this are difficulty in expressing emotions. It's really hard to not just express them to people, but to feel them yourself. So you become emotionally detached in a lot of ways from your own emotions. Other people's will hit you hard, but yours, you will become quite detached from because you don't know how to feel them, which in turn causes a disconnect in the body and keeps you up in the head, which keeps you trying to be logical, which keeps you trying to be busy, 
which keeps you reaching for data that's not completely true because it is emotionally led to avoid emotions data. And so you're making lots of decisions, especially about who you are as an adult, especially what you're capable of in relationships. And a lot of these people can be really surprised because they see themselves as warm, as caring, as people pleasing, as perhaps caring too much. But other people would describe them as cold, as distant, as cold hearted, closed, because people haven't seen them demonstrate emotion. They have suppressed their emotion so much they don't know how to feel it, which creates something else. It creates a need for control. And that is to try to control situations, people's opinion of them, outcomes. But it's also trying to control outcomes for other people because you almost can't bear them to have a negative emotion. You're trying to make it so they never do. Just let that sit with you for a moment that why you don't want someone else to feel a negative emotion. What it also creates is a lack of vulnerability. It's the fear, the fear of being seen as weak, pathetic, needy, of being told at some point in your story that that's, that's what a vulnerability was, that it was something you should be able to sort out yourself. Get on with it. Get over it. Get on with it. Come on. And when that's been said to you enough, there is a point where you stop bringing anything to anybody. So avoiding vulnerability is also avoiding your self-expression. So even if you are dying to say one thing, you'll find that you'll say another, or you'll find it really, really, really difficult to speak when you feel vulnerable. So you'll close down and say nothing at all which leads to difficulty in accepting help. Difficulty in asking for help. You don't know how to do that. Let alone telling people that you're in any sort of situation, which is the vulnerability, I'm struggling, for them to offer help. So you're always shutting down the very opportunity of help, wittingly or unwittingly, finding it difficult to have any kind of support. So you feel unsupported but you would try to support everybody else. Do you see how this is mirrored? What you want to receive, you're putting out in the world, but you can't do what you need to do to receive it. This also means that people in leadership or at work might really struggle to delegate. And because they can't delegate, people might think that they're bad at their jobs, that they're control freaks or anything else. But in reality, they're really struggling with what delegation means. A big one for this is then intimacy. They will really struggle with being intimate because of the fear of being exposed emotionally, of connections being short-lived, I'll open up and you'll leave me, or what's the point of getting to that stage because this won't last, I don't have long-term relationships. You also don't know how to be intimate with yourself and with your truth about your emotions, so being intimate and sharing your emotions and vulnerable side with somebody else is all connected, right? You can't be vulnerable if you can't be intimate with how you're feeling and knowing yourself. And because you avoid yourself at all costs in that sense, by being busy, by getting into the do mode, then you don't know how to drop into the body and feel what you're feeling, process it and share it, be vulnerable, open up, allow somebody in. It's the greatest fear. The greatest fear, but this also drives from a fear of being seen to be weak in some way, haven't got your shit together not able to cope. And all of those things bring up something for you if you are somebody that experiences 
hyper-independent traits. And that's because it creates an overemphasis on independence. Because independence in itself, to a healthy level, is a great trait. Hyper-independent means that you cannot rely on anyone. And it creates that feeling of loneliness that I spoke about in a different episode, which is fundamentally, I'm alone. I'm alone in my decisions. I'm alone in my thoughts. I'm alone in my feelings. And I don't really want to be with them. So I'm pushing them, which makes me feel even more alone. Struggling with intimacy, which makes me feel even more alone. I find it really difficult to think about merging with somebody and receiving their support, which makes me feel even more alone. (sighs) which leads to how we communicate. It will either start to feel passive-aggressive, aggressive or confrontational, frustrated, and only when you're pushed to your absolute limit, shutting something down. And that's because everything feels like a confrontation, especially something emotional feels like confrontation. So you want to shut it down. And so you can be quite harsh. Again, not from a desire to I want to be harsh, but from the desire that I cannot go there. Let this end. Let me get out of this. Everybody leaves me anyway, so let's just shut this down. And let me be the one they blame. Oof. Oof. I'm feeling all the feels talking about this and you know how this is shown up for so many people that I've worked with in so many different ways. But all of them, all of them could look at these traits and go, oh, oh, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like to see any of those traits, but that's probably true in one way or another. And there's gonna be a different scale for everybody, but Perfectionism. Perfectionism. If I told you perfectionism is another need to control the outcome and that perfectionism is the control of what you don't do, of what you won't put yourself out for as well, and to be so highly critical of everything that you do to repress creativity, to repress desires, to repress things that aren't almost black and white tasks to get somewhere that don't have your emotional body fed into them. And I'm going to lead this finally to people that work a lot. I've talked about this a few times now, but there's a great share of quotes on the internet that kind of say, nobody will remember the time you spent at work. Nobody gets to their deathbed wishing they had worked harder. And that can create a lot of shame for people that have hyper-independent traits that they operate from because they're not working on purpose. They're working to try to soothe the feeling of emotions coming up because it gives them avoidance, but they don't know that's what they're doing. Again, so much of this is unconscious, is not decided upon. It has become imprinted within their ability to feel into their bodies and their experiences of themselves, which have created this story that they absolutely should not either have access to their own emotions and feel them, disconnect from the body, but also don't get emotional or share or get intimate with people because it will end, because they will leave or I will leave because I don't want to feel this intimacy and I don't want to have to get into these emotions. It feels like confrontation. It feels like rejection. And so the constant cycle is to keep moving away, away, away. A lot of these people as well will get described as cold-hearted or unfeeling. And it's so not true. They're so far from the truth. They're some of the deepest loving people that are operating from their worst fears. And so the wounded masculine is something that we need to 
reach out to within ourselves and connect to, which means connecting to our bodies, which is then described as feminine work a lot of the time. But we need to get into the healthy masculine. And healthy masculine traits are emotional intelligence. Not something a lot of people would put towards masculine energy in our society today. But true emotional intelligence, understanding, expressing and managing feelings, you know, building resilience. And I think resilience has got a bad rep. I know I certainly don't like clients to use the word because they use the word to mean that they will take any shit you throw at them and still be standing, that they will push through hard times, that they will get to the other side. That's how they've described resilience to me. So I really ask people to come away from resilience and come into emotional agility. How can you work through the layers of feeling this to keep moving to come out the other side rather than withstanding the storm and getting out of it, having held your breath and felt nothing? Another wonderful buzzword, but authenticity. I have really healthy masculine energy wants genuine connection. It wants understanding. It wants you to feel held. It wants your emotions to feel held, understood, and for you to then manage your way out of them to the next part to not stay in one for too long. Another really good trait is confidence. You know, when we think about some of that masculine energy, it's confidence and courage to stand up for what's right, to take responsibility for their own actions, to confront fears, to face challenges, and to take risks. That's healthy masculine energy that, oh, give me all of that, pour it into me, I want some of that, rather than holding my breath and hoping for the best, rather than facing challenges, thinking it's my job to be in constant challenge, rather than avoiding my fears at all costs, which is that I'm inadequate and not enough. Meaning I will take responsibility for my actions rather than thinking the world is against me and, you know, I've got to survive alone. But also standing up for what is right. I love that one, especially in our current times. My goodness, standing up for what is right in a really healthy way, which means you don't have to fight for what is right in the sense of aggression, arguing, dragging people down. But it's to have healthy communication and be passionate for what you want and communicate that with emotional intelligence. Generosity, leadership two ways to see a healthy masculine energy, to be willing to share, to be resourceful, to guide, to guide the feminine, and also to inspire and motivate, to lead by example whilst empowering rather than disempowering and making it powerful just for yourself. It's vision, it's integrity, it's some of these really great left brain parts that can be analytical, that can hold you through emotional experiences, but not by bypassing them. There's also feedback, not confrontation, and being open to it because they are striving to learn, to learn from experience, to be better in themselves, for themselves. There's a desire for that in the healthy masculine energy, to get better, to become stronger within themselves. Strong doesn't mean I don't feel emotion. Strong doesn't mean everybody has to lean on me. Strong doesn't have to mean any of the things we perhaps associate with it. But 
that strength within ourselves to hold our emotions, to share our emotions, to hold our voice when it wants to waver, to hold ourselves to what we said we would become, to who we want to be, to how we want to show up in the world, whilst nurturing relationships, you know, supporting in relationships, being present in relationships, being emotionally supportive, but being active in the participation. Because we don't want to fear ourselves our whole lives, keeping our hearts so closed and being disconnected from our bodies to get out of it going, I don't think anybody saw that. I think I got away with it. Or to see your job purely as to what you gave, all of the positives of these traits, yeah, being strong, being the person people can lean on, being a high achiever, being somebody that's impeccable with their word to others, but lets themselves down at all times. Being somebody that's strong, but only in the sense that they are strong for others, never for themselves, because they won't let themselves feel it. You know, their strength is what makes them feel weak because their weakness is their emotions and they can't feel their emotions and they know it will make them feel stronger if they do. They're encouraging everybody else to do it. It shows up in so many ways. But what I hope you will take from this is perhaps a different viewpoint to check in with your own masculine energy. I'm going to record some meditations on masculine energy because it was just so fascinating to see how rejected the masculine energy was. And I think it's really important we connect with ourselves and welcome in these parts of ourselves, which is our shadow. I'm about to do a shadow work workshop as well, talking about things through this angle, the way that we can be outwardly compared to how we treat ourselves inwardly, compared to how we present to who we really are, the way we wear our masks, our fear of getting caught, isn't because we're a bad person who's pretending. This is our identity at this stage. This is how we have learned to survive. But it also feels inauthentic because you want so much more for yourself. Oof, oof. The first part of your big shift, which was the course I ran every year for the last three years, and I'm debating bringing back with a spiritual edge. The start of that was asking people to find their values, which I know is a very common, common thing for life coaches to do. But when I ask people to find their true values, I also ask them if they are only values that we hold other people up to, or we hold for ourselves externally, or are these internal embodied values, as in I extend these to myself. And the reason I bring that up is because so many people will throw out things like truth, and yet they will lie to themselves continuously. So many people will bring up so many values that they don't offer themselves. And I just want you to sit with that, with this idea of the masculine energy and think about how you offer the positive to others and yet the negative wounded parts are running and leading you in how you behave, show up and speak and share yourself. I realize this has been a bit of a brain dump all of my podcasts, it would appear when they're solo, are a brain dump. But what I'd love you to do is let me know if you've got any questions. Let me know if you want me to explain this in another way or extend on it in any way. But really do sit with it, journal with it, and let me know what comes up for you and if this has been beneficial or helpful. I'm sending you all my love. If this has been useful, please do forward it to somebody else you think might benefit from hearing it. Drop me a review whatever it is that's helpful for podcasts to reach more people. I would really, really appreciate it. 
And any questions whatsoever, send me an email, wendy at thecompletioncoach.co.uk or drop me a DM on Instagram at thecompletioncoach. Thank you.